Hello listeners, this is Grant Howitt welcoming you to a very special edition of Hearty Dice Friends. It's very special because it's not new, it's old, it's our test episode. Unfortunately, I have been moving, moving house, and I have no internet, and have thus been unable to get on Skype and record a phone call with Chris, so what we will do instead is release our very earliest uh, episode, alpha test episode, which is still pretty funny, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll upload that down at the local pub, which has uh, Wi-Fi, and hopefully next week I will have internet in my house, and we will have a brand new glistening episode of Hearty Dice Friends. We love you very, very much. We'd like to thank you for your ongoing support through our Patreon and on the internet, and uh, yeah, see you soon. Hello, my name is Grant Howitt, and this is Christopher Taylor. Hello. And we are hearty dice friends. And by oh, that so I mean, hearty. Oh, so hearty. We're so hearty. We are big, healthy boys, and we like dice. You had to get in big, healthy boys. <laughs> that was what he wanted to call the whole podcast. I wanted to call it Dice Boys. Which I, I don't think is quite... Dice Boys. <laughs> it's a bit German rave. Mm, yeah, a little bit, yeah. We are role-playing game designers. Uh, and best friends. And we so are... technically, sorry, nothing. What? No, that's no, fine. Karen. Oh, sorry, you, you, you were speaking. Why didn't you record a podcast with one of your other friends, Chris? I literally can't. Yeah. Um, so we have no one aside from each other, and we have decided <laughs> we are all alone. Uh, and and we're game designers, and we we are quite good at talking to each other and recording that. And we thought, why not record a podcast and help out you, the clueless public, to uh, get better at game. Are you bad at game? We can help. Do more game well. Mm, do more game good. We have a we have a, a Google form which you can fill out, or you can message me uh, or Chris on Twitter, or just come and shout out outside my house, and if we you will can find it. If you can find it, here's a clue. It's near the near the end of Roman Road in Bow. So if you just shout role playing questions up and down the length of Roman Road, I'll answer them. Odds are good. Yeah, odds are. I don't have a lot going on. Point is. We're here to help you, you poor, clueless people, and we are going to make your lives better. Now, we've got some questions which uh, which have been sent in. Yes, to somebody else. To somebody else. Don't don't shatter the illusion. We're doing we're doing we're doing a practice podcast which will never be released. Yes. Yeah, uh, perhaps perhaps secretly to patrons later on, or just like <laughs> to to our eventual harem of wives. <laughs> <laughs> A so far, we have throng of groupies. So far, we have one wife between us. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking to get more. Um, and up to eight. Sorry, up to eight. Up to eight wives. Each job between us. Uh, we'll wait there later. Yeah, we're not sharing the wives though. That's it, 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 we're just totaling the wives. I want to make that yes. clear. Yeah, yeah okay. no, that, that would be super weird. So our first question comes from. First question comes from Reddit. <laughs> it comes from Reddit. We've got a first question sent in from Hellghost. Great Good name, name. Hellghost. Mm. Who asks, what works of written fiction would you like to roleplay in? For me, I'd like to play in The Golden Compass, His Dark Materials, or in Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Now, first of all, don't roleplay in Cormac McCarthy's The Road. You just jam that, forks into your shin. That is, that is, that is, that is a sad time you're setting yourself up for. Just, wh- wh- why don't you just spend the night sleeping in the garden without a tent? That's that's just bound for despair, I isn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't really get the 
get the 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 the, the fun t- the pretendy fun time. Yeah, I mean, I guess one. I guess they're kind of thinking Last of Us vibe. Yeah, I suppose so, but it's different. But it, I know, I know, but <laughs> that's that's the kind of vibe they think they're going to get yeah. from the game, and then they got a GM who's actually read it. And just crushes everything and takes it away from them. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe that's what they're into. Maybe they're a masochist. Yeah. Maybe that's their thing. I mean, so what sort of what, um, what written fiction would you like to role play in? So I'm actually going to steal one of his and move it along a little bit, please. Uh, so the Dark Material series. Yeah. Is that the one with the with the pets? Aye, the um, demons. That's the fella. Forgotten the word for it. So there's a book a little bit like that, but more interesting. Called okay. Zoo City by Lauren Bukes. Zoo City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody there has an animal that's based on essentially their guilt. Oh, okay. Like it's a physical manifestation of their of stuff going on in their life. Mm. Um, and the main character has a sloth that just hangs over her back all the time. Um, but it's it's very. Johnny Mnemonic without the cyberpunk. I like about memory stealing and stuff. Yeah, but also that kind of grimy cyberpunk feel. Ice tea's in it. Ice tea. Ice tea. Isn't isn't ice tea or ice cube? It's ice tea. I can't remember. Let's you get together. Sorry. Let's you get together and f- mm. form a drink stand. And uh, they've got a psychic dolphin. I seem to remember as well. There's definitely a psychic dolphin. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, my uh, my novel that I would like to role play in is um, I'd love to see someone do Pedido Street Station. Um, All of it. Yeah, the whole thing. No, like 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 the whole Basilek China Melville world. Um, because I am of the opinion, and I don't think it's particularly unpopular that China Melville is a much better setting writer than he is a novel writer. Oh yeah. He he has an incredible mind, and he has so many ideas, and then he forgets to put them into a coherent narrative. And I would love to just... I think I'd much rather read the Petito Street Station set, uh, setting book, the Basilag setting book. Um, I, like, a Dragon uh, magazine a few years ago did a breakdown of that, didn't they? Yeah, I think they did. But, I mean, have you seen how big the book is? It's huge. I mean, just Petito Street Station, I'm not any of the other books. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't just, book. you can't just bang that out on an article, Dragon. No, you can't. Um, but that... that that really captured my imagination. I think the the vast, like the wide variety of different mindsets, like like the, the interdimensional spiders and the um, the uh, diplomatic envoy to hell, and the I like I like the works. remade. Sorry, I liked the remade. The re- yeah, the remade. I thought there was something charming about them in this sort of downtrodden, best of a bad lot situation. It was fascinating because, like, I'm I'm just remembering it now, and there's like there were at least twenty things more than the book needed, like the handlingers. Yeah. Do you remember the handlingers? No. They were that's hands the point. That could fly and shoot fire. Of course, the, they were. Or the weirder men. Who were <laughs> the like, weird men or the, the weird, weirder? Uh, the the weirder men who were like sweary little cherubs. Or the cactus men. Or the machine intelligence that rules the dump. It's just... Or the moths that make you go mad. That man could have made so much more money if he just knocked a couple of those out and put them in their own book. Or the sexy ladies with insect heads. DLC, my friend. Or the eagle men. 
Like this, these are all real things. I'm not making any the of them up. The eagle men all... were fairly central. Yeah, the eagle man was kind of important. I, I get that. Um, that it was, but like that, there was a lot of cool stuff there, and I think that it would be it'd be fun to explore that and tell stories in that sort of um, grimy magic punk sort of thing. And I quite like that. So that's, that's what I'd like to play in. Any other books? I can think of a lot of books that could just be covered by other settings. Go on. Like Last Call by Tim Powers is just unknown armies. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean li- I literally, mean, like, most of Tim Powers' books lend themselves very well to role playing games. Yeah, for sure. Um, things like House of Leaves is just any anything that's very setting light and just do a horror game. How would you do House of Leaves? That does interest me. A very like, good GM. Like, yeah, it's the thing because like, I don't think a system could actually support it, could it? No, all you need is something very, very light, um, kind of. Um, fate Dread. powered by the apocalypse. Dread, dread, dread could work. Hmm. Actually, I don't think I don't think dread would. Well, is, it, is, it, is it a bit? It's a bit final, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing because the the way that the momentum builds up when you're in the the Navidson house is hmm. it builds up Do and it crashes. Explain what House of Leaves is, by the way, to anyone who hasn't read. Sorry, it. yes, House of Leaves is a very very big, as in fat, meta book. So there's two narratives going on. One of a, a, a photographer who finds a hallway in his house where there wasn't a hallway before. And behind it there's a huge labyrinth. And there's also the, the narrative of somebody reading the report of this, of this documentary this photographer made. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so so it's, it's, like, it's a report on a documentary. Of a report, I, of a documentary. Yeah, yeah it kind of, it kind of and turtles like, all the way down. And then also like the editor's making notes. Yeah. But the the bit you actually play, I guess, is the the depths of the labyrinth inside yeah. the Navidson house. I wouldn't and want to play a game about reading the Navidson report. That'd be very slow. <laughs> um, but yeah, t- tension in that book works really interestingly because you it spikes and then it goes away without without any any anything bad happening quite oh, often. Okay. Um, so it just gets it just gets to this kind of peak point, mm. and then people realise it was nothing, or they turn a corner and it's fine. Hmm. Um, I suppose um, oh, Dead of Night could be quite interesting because it, ha- it actually has the tension meter. Yeah, that's true, actually. That and all those very, well. very cool settings built into the book, actually. I really love that book. It's such a good book. Oh, it's, and it's like it's like like fifteen quid. Yeah, it's it's a really solid buy. Beautiful, um, a uh, snappy little book. Dead of Night, like the the, the system itself isn't the greatest system ever written. Uh, it, it functions for telling for telling horror one shots very well. Uh, but it has uh, the the way it does settings is it has movie posters and then they describe the movies like these, these entirely fake movies as though they're real and then how to tell stories based on that on that unreal movie a bit like House of Leaves I suppose and that you know you're you're quite far away from what's actually true and it's just like they, they all look legit it's yeah they're really good yeah like their 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 designer is incredible. Okay, yeah, I and mean, you you could run it in any sort of setting, but you just wouldn't use half the skills. I just I just wouldn't use rules, honestly. I think at that point you yeah, just, just sort of tell people things. Have a nice story around the table, enjoy yourself, go to bed. Yeah, just just read House of Leaves aloud. <laughs> Difficult for a month. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Great. The next question we've got in, uh, it was sent in by Rex Celestis. Not as good name. No. Um, Can we pretend it's from Hellgeist again? Uh, the next question we've got in is from Hellgeist 2. Return of the Hellgeist. He says... <laughs> Hellgeist 2. 
Hellgeist gets his groove back. This time it's Hellgeistia. Hellgeist 2, getting geisty. <laughs> Geist harder? Geist, Geist, oh, that's Geist, good. The Geist geistiest? Harder. Yeah, okay. Heck, Geist. Geist Christmas? Okay. Uh, <laughs> this question comes in from Hellgeist, again, who says, I'm in the process of starting a second ongoing campaign. I plan to run six different adventures and systems before deciding to see what I think will work best for me. Looking for help in this effort, I ask, what do you consider the best published one-shot adventures for any system? First off, that's that's a lot of effort. That is that is a that's ton of effort. So much effort. Also, mate, if you've got if you've got six sessions where you're trying stuff, can I suggest Unbound? Yeah, definitely. It's designed to run over six sessions. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, do try Unbound. Um, it's by a lovely little group. Yeah, uh, a collective. Very trustworthy people. From the south of England. Stunningly attractive. So hot. The Currently people. drinking coffee. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's by us, which I'm sure you know if you're listening to this podcast. Um, Unbound is our, is, our, is, our, is our settingless uh, world-building game, which is very good. But it's not a one-shot game in any way. No. So I would consider my best, the best published one-shot, I would think, Hellghost. And thank you for, thank you for writing and taking the time to write in. Um, Appreciated. Is Weeby Goblins, which I think is maybe a two-shot technically, but it's a it's a Pathfinder game, and Pathfinder is a it takes itself quite seriously, I find, and Weeby Goblins is a lovely inversion of that, where you play four goblins um, who are universally bad at their jobs, and they have to go and solve some problems. And I, I want to play a game where where you some goblins who are ruthlessly efficient at their jobs. Uh, there's a hobgoblins. No, like actual little wee goblins. But their jobs are mainly like biting. That's the thing, like, you'd have to be fighting something smaller than goblins. Or I guess, they, no. I guess like, they're just really high level goblins? Ice giants. Hmm. What about you use Shadow of the Colossus mechanics, but it's just like a bar fight? Yeah. <laughs> it's just some, some dude they found in an alley. And you're riding a dog. <laughs> I don't know! I don't Occasionally a skinless dog in Pathfinder. Yeah, dog, uh, uh, goblin dogs. Do- Doblin gogs. Doblin gog. Oh, that sounds a bit racist. Wow. Gogs. It's not, but it sounds a bit racist. Right? Okay. Um, goblin dogs don't have any hair, and but like that would actually that would be quite good fun. Just like having a game where you play like professional goblin hit squads. Mm. I'm just trying to think how you'd like how you'd rationalise the. The fact that goblins are intrinsically comedy, like their their their, their fantasy punchlines, how you'd bring well, you'd, that around? You'd sell it straight. Well, you make them cruel. No, no, no. You, no, beginning of the game, you sell it straight. Like okay. you are a crack goblin hit squad. Right. You have you know you have done terrible things. You just yeah. sell it like they are the world's best assassins, and your target is the mountain of a creature over there, and it's a drunk stumbling home with a pie. You see that this comedy again? It's can't, we can't do this. That's what I mean. Like you, you, you shift into comedy because you might as well because they're goblins. Because why not? I mean, like, like, like you could keep it. Like you could have like like an ogre because that that's an interesting challenge. Because like humans and goblins are you know they're like like three goblins is the height of a human. But if you get an yeah. ogre, that's like that's like Shadow of the Colossus grade, and you've got things like okay, like, I'm going to trip them up like a like an AT AT. Yeah, AT AT is, is is that the big one? Sure. Star know. Wars. Driven up like like one of the big metal dogs from Star Wars. <laughs> one of those um, things that just have guns on the front. 
Yeah. God, that's really silly. Why do you just have guns on the front? Why are they so... And they're troop carriers, right? Yeah, and they walk really slowly. They're troop carriers. Why are they that get high a plane. off the ground? Why are they that high off the ground? How did the troops get down? I don't think I've ever seen anyone get out of them. Well, no, because they always blow up. Did they sit down? <laughs> that would be to sit down like a dog. Just... But like but like an old dog. Like, yeah. Like my cats. They kind of they kind of scrape themselves across the terrain like a dog across the carpet and troops fall out. <laughs> Ready, sir! <laughs> like a dog with worms. Yeah. Uh, like, I can't think what possible tactical benefit those things have. No. When you've got hovering ships. I guess like you can get lots of you get lots of people in there quickly. Well, well yes, quickly. but then you can't armoredly. get them somewhere quickly. You can get them in there armouredly, and you don't yeah. need to worry about unstable terrain. I think you want to worry about unstable terrain because you've got you've got like really wonky centre of gravity on those things. Yeah. What we'll do is we'll put them inside an impenetrable steel box. Good. I like where this is going. Let's drop a ton of guns just to the front. Hmm. Question mm. about that, but we'll raise that later. Mm-hmm. And then what we'll do is we'll jack it two hundred feet in the air on top of wicker thin legs. I'm sorry. Can you run I that thi- last part? Run that last part by, uh, by me again. Wicker thin legs. Uh huh. And how does that benefit us when we're being assaulted by what is quite commonly a mobile defence force and enemy emplacements? They look like a bit like a horse. Oh, that is true. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we hide our troops inside, and maybe they like, like they they bring the ATAT into their like, like right. into their city, thinking it's a gift. Yes, I should well, warn you. Yeah. I should warn you that they are very susceptible to rope. Oh, okay. Um, so just uh, again, just I mean, like, I, I want a blue sky thinking this. I, I don't want to have any like no wrong answers. You, you understand me? Mm-hmm. But our mm-hmm. enemies, mm-hmm. Um, do they have the technology available for rope? Mainly lasers. Mm-hmm. I mean, a laser-based economy. Rope. But they also have rope. Some rope. I see. Or okay. I think all of their ships have rope for some reason. Mm. Fact, actually, I've got another question about your ATST, the walker, the the, the smaller design. Uh, the wee fellas, yes. Yes, the wee fellas, the uh, mm-hmm. the chicken walkers, as the troops have been calling them. Um, we've received some initial reports they can be taken down by hairy midgets with logs. That is true. Is that... However, mm. they will cause absolutely no damage before doing so, so they're very economically friendly. Well, environmentally friendly. That's the one. Economically, but also they're, they're I mean, cheap. They're, they're, they're costing us a lot of money per unit. I mean, no, they're very, they're very guys. cheap. They're very cheap. I've crossed off a couple of zeros on the income reports. Ah, okay. Is that okay? That's well, how maths works. Are I'm... you a scientist? Are you even a scientist? No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm an actuary. But that's fine. I understand. Um, tell you what. Well, I'm um, a notary. I well, know it's different, let's... but I just wanted to say that. Let's. One wonders why they've put an actuary and a notary in charge of the assault on Hoth. But you know what? Let's give it a go. Yeah, let's and see how it goes. A, and giving me a slightly croaky scientist voice. I don't know. I don't know. You seem to be getting croakier as this scene goes on. Maybe. And see. Now I am wizened. Now we've ended the scene. <laughs> oh, but I was wizened. <laughs> it's always done now. Done. <laughs> Either way, that Star Wars stuff is stupid. Yeah. And you're stupid for liking it. Yeah. How do we get to Star Wars? I don't know, God but lightsabers, light, a, yeah. lightsabers are rad. Yeah, lightsabers are cool. And the noise All that other fun. guff. What is what is going on there? Force pushing is cool. The whole Jedi stuff. I, I kind of like the whole like space wizard thing. Choking a dude from ten feet away? Space kind of hot. Hot. Yeah. Because, like, all, 
all the eroticism of choking without the, without the need to touch other people. Exactly. I mean, that is disease-free. I love it. I mean, you know, the dark side. Is that a disease? Look at Palpatine. Maybe. I don't know. Midichlorians. That was that was a good choice by, by the by the lot of them, wasn't it? By Lucas. It doesn't even sound like a thing. It's not. That's why. Um, published one-shots. What's your favourite published one-shot? So... You actually asked me this question earlier, and I said, I can't remember the name of any one-shots. I've given you three minutes to look one up. And I did. I looked up the one that I was talking about. God. <laughs> What's it called? It's called In Media Res by mm-hmm. Scott Tynes. And it's a Call of Cthulhu one-shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you play a bunch of escaped prisoners. Mm-hmm. Um, you escape from your prison van and get into a house. And then Cthulhu weirdness happens. Ah. And it's it's really nice because all of you are wanted criminals. Mm-hmm. You're aware that the police are coming, and you're you've taken you've taken the the family hostage. Mm. So you're playing oh, the bad guys yes, in the Cthulhu and, scenario. And families. Um, oh, so I'm thinking of. Uh, sorry, we'll come back to something after that. Carry on. Mm. Um, and it, it it's it's really nice, and it st- things start getting weird, and like you start from a. From a position of extreme power, where you've got mm. this family to ransom, and then the power kind of gets taken away from you as it gets more and more Cthulhu-y. Okay, it's fun. Um, it's a it's a really nice, very snappy adventure. It's an excellent con game. Yeah. Um, because, for instance, one of you has a gun. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> that instantly changes how the game works at that point when one person can just kill another player. There's a there's an unknown armies um, one shot. So uh, the unknown armies, um, which is an incredible game, um, which is a, a game about um, a game about power and consequences, mm-hmm. and recently had its entirely new edition kickstarted, which I've yet to properly read because but we I'm couldn't afford it. Well, no, we couldn't. We couldn't afford. It. We've got the we've got the PDFs, um, but the okay. um, the the previous edition is absolute gold. Um, very much an RPG of its time, and it doesn't really scan to the modern world, but it's beautiful. Uh, as a kind of a kind of a late nineties um, artifact, and it published two uh, two books of one shots uh, called one shots, and I think something else I forget, maybe one shots two two shots anyway. And in one five of them, shots. six shots, shots um, In one of them, you play a um, seven shots, and that's that's my final offer. You have <laughs> twelve um, for the pair. You play a group of um, prisoners who uh, who who escape from prison or like who are on the run from the law. I forget which. And you break into a house and and uh, and start hiding from the police there, uh, but the police have you surrounded, and you play both the prisoners and the people have taken hostage. That and does sound it, exactly like this game. And then it becomes unknown armies. That's interesting. Is it this? I wonder if it's by the same guy and he's just phoning it in. Scott Times. Maybe. Are we thinking of the same fucking scenario? Possibly, because right. immediate res is a Call of Cthulhu game. Written by Scott Tynes. Right. Okay. Well, the important thing is that that you, you have a look at one-shots, because it has a lot of challenging um, one-shots, which are not necessarily fun to play, but very interesting. Yeah. Um, like, there's one where you try and avert 9-11. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I think you avert the one after 9-11, which didn't happen, so... You know, 9-12. Yeah. I think someone's trying to crash it into the... Um, Statue of Liberty. Anyway, there's some fun stuff there. Uh, end of the one shots. I, I really like Lady Blackbird, which is technically a one shot game. Yeah, I I'm not a huge fan of those one shot games with their own rule system. I'm really sorry about half of my content. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> that's about all I write. No, I know. I. To be fair, I don't play those. No, well, you don't, do you? No, because you, you never write for me. Um, simply because if I'm doing a one shot, I like to go in with the rules not being an issue. Right. Yeah. Um, I like that familiarity, so I can just go. I want. I know that I can do this. I want like a. Uh, what's the? I want a vocabulary that's already yeah. in place amongst yeah. the players, rather than with the system. Yes, rather than half the uh, half the players going. What can I do again? Like so, like you and I could could play a game in basically any edition of D and D without thinking. Yeah, um, exactly. It would be fair. It would be fairly simple. Um, but some, but and I'm, the, I'm not saying Lady Blackbird does it specifically, but some of these one shots have lots of little, almost hidden rules. Hmm. Like little side rules that are really, really useful, but you're going to forget about. That's fair. Um, so I love the premise, and I love the stories involved, and I love what they generate. It's just that literacy mm. that holds me back a little bit from playing them. That's fair. It's the the, the thing which Lady Blackbird does um, better than any game I've seen. Uh, the way that it does advancement means that you get character arcs in a one-shot game, which is which just is pretty cool. exceedingly clever. And I'm so jealous of John Harper. Just soup to nuts. That man's a, that man's a genius, and I hate him. <laughs> no, no, I don't hate him. He's great. Um, I've never met the man. I'm sure he's fine. And uh, God willing, one day I will kill him and wear his skin. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Delicious skin. Any other one shots you want to recommend? No, but I've just, I've just looked up one of the one shots we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Jailbreak by Greg Stolze. Right. It's in media res. It's the same thing. Give or take. Yeah. Because it's Stolze and Tynes who wrote on armies, right? Yeah. Stolze? Stolze? Stolze, I believe. Stolze, yeah. Um, well, lazy, lazy games designers. I can, actually, I can also recommend, if you're, if you're after a one-shot game, Havoc Brigade. Uh, which is a game I wrote, but it's expressly one shot, and it's not actually. This, this this is really useless for you, Hellgeist, who wrote in, because it is expressly not a campaign game. Um, <laughs> yes. In the fact that you you start off with an intact city, and then the city burns down by the end of it, hopefully. Usually because of you. Yeah, uh, you play a, you play a rampaging group of orcs who uh, have to kidnap a prince alive. And it generally involves cross-dressing in some way. Like, generally, the orcs who were boys dress up as girls. That does happen a lot. There isn't, isn't one of them a lass? Uh, a yes. Tank. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, yeah, the orcs. Yeah, yep. the, the, the biggest, beefiest orc is a princess. And uh, the goblins don't have a gender. So, you know. They, the, the goblins frequently fill out a princess dress and try and seduce the prince, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> And by fill out, I mean all six of them just wedge themselves in there in a rough approximation of a lady shape. Ram themselves in. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Well, I'm, I hope we answered your question in some way. Um, is that kind of Unknown Armies, Call of Cthulhu? I think those, those are two good. And Pathfinder we've got there as well. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, like the Call of Cthulhu, the horror games, mm. perfect for one-shots. Oh, wait, there's a brilliant um, D&D 3.5 one-shot which features a calzone golem. This now I remember. It's a level one adventure, and you have to beat you have to beat up the Kelsoni Golem. In an old issue of Dragon, there was stats for Jolly Rancher oozes. Jo- really? Uh, pizza golems. Jolly Rancher oozes. Yeah, it was. All, it but was so the firm. idea. I know, but it was all the. It's like a non-gelatinous cube. 
it was all the stuff that you have at your table right like traditional gamer stacks like doritos and that sort of mm. stuff they statted for third edition. You see, I would have, I would have probably scaled them to like to the standard D and D scale. So like like your Jolly Rancher would be an ooze in that it takes up a five foot square, but a pizza, that's like some sort of terrifying floating disc. Yeah, like it. That, 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 that's at least a um, that's a huge creature. I think that would take up enough enough squares. And it's so drippy. Oh, yeah, it's a greasy. That's a greasy boy. So so drippy and constantly followed by four turtles and a rat. I really want to eat the pizza that they had in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wouldn't it be I've, amazing? I've never seen better looking pizza. And like, because I, I lived in New York for a while, we had some stuff that was close. You know? Yeah. And I mean, but, that is that is the iconic pizza that there is, sure. isn't it? But I want I want the pizza to be basically a for, like like a form of taffy. You know? Yeah. It, I, I want it to look like I want it to be almost fluid. Yeah, and to do that thing where you where you have to lift it up, but past your head height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and wow, then get the pizza. cheese in and kind of follow it in oh, and God, bite to the crust. So can we get pizza? We we could, but we're, I mean, I we're can like get pizza. sixty miles apart. I I literally can't get pizza. No, I think there's a Chinese place to deliver to you. I can't. That's not. Is it not? It closed. <laughs> <laughs> I live in London, and Chris lives in not London. I live in the woods. Chris lives in the woods, um, where you can't get food delivered. As I can cough and someone will bring me a delicious pizza. Anyway. Yeah. So I've, I've now pulled open both The Unknown Army's Adventure and the Greg Storzy and the Scott Tynes one. Mm. Um, that's a few recommendations. That's good. That's, po- that's yeah. positive. I hope you helped. It is it's eerily similar. So, my next question that I've got here. Do you oh, have any questions, one. Chris? Um, only generally. Okay. And I mean, it's a bit much for a podcast. Like, Just like, why? Do you want to, like... Is that to me? No, that's just that's to everything. Oh, why not? That's that's not a good answer. I need a specific answer. Oh, man. I mean, like, why everything is quite a big mm. question. Right. This That's is why I say it's play- not really podcast. podcast podcast material. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah. Bit do much. Have, maybe maybe you'd like to ask me a question about role playing. No. Maybe I'd like to ask you a question about role playing. You could ask me a question, Chris. How can I? I um... will not answer your questions. Oh. Got a question here from uh, from Grant Howitt. Okay. Uh, who says, "How can I best differentiate my NPCs with fun voices?" Chris, maybe you'd like to answer this one. By doing different voices. Hmm, go on. Well, that's all he asked. Mm. You just do different voices. Well, what sort of voices? Can you give me some examples? Well, what what sort of character? Okay. I mean, uh, there's, we had the wizened scientist a moment mm-hmm. ago. Oh, he was a notary. Well, look, if he can't pass a PhD, <laughs> that's not his problem, right? That's I'm the not, institution's problem. one of those authorised scientists. I'm a notarized scientist. Notarized myself. I have notoriety. Do you know what a notary is? They've got a stamp. I don't know what a notary is. They've got a stamp. They're like an authorizer. Yeah. Like a bureaucrat. Why not? Yeah, but why imagine not? with a stamp. Okay. Um, okay, let's say, uh, let's have a bartender. Bartender. Fantasy or sci-fi? Uh, sci-fi. I'm kidding, it doesn't matter. <laughs> 
They're all the same. <laughs> it's rats, isn't it? It's rats from Euromancer. No yeah, so, so you've got you've got two types of bartenders. Mm-hmm. Go on. Both of which are constantly doing a mime for cleaning a glass. This, the, you... this is the very first thing I learned from Chris as a, as a role player. Chris is my first GM. Um, pretty much my first GM. And every bartender we met would just continually be polishing a pint glass. Yeah, all you do is you hold your hold your hand it's like you're holding a can of coke. That Chris does. It is. Hold your hand like you're holding a can of coke. Okay, Put I'm your doing thumb it inside. Uh, the, the listener, please try this now. So I've got, I've got Left hand, hand like you're holding a can of coke. Yeah. Right hand, put your thumb inside. Ooh, grip the edge. That's you. You messed your thumb up there, mate. And then just kind of go backwards and forwards. Ah, Chris, it's really sharp. Yeah, ah. did, you, did you put down the knife first? No, I put my thumb into a can of coke. Like you're holding a can of coke or a glass. Like, like I'm holding. Oh, so just. Oh, okay, I get it. Right. Okay, and just, and just like rotate my hand around. Yeah. Yeah, now film like... it and put it online. You get some money. <laughs> couple of couple of dollar there for you. A dollar. Anyway, so what, what's his voice like? Or her so voice? you've got Sorry. two exactly. You've got two. You've got two um, different types of bartender. You've mm-hmm. got the East Enders bartender. Mm-hmm. Go on. Where you go with the hello, darling. End of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Or the standard bartender. Oh, the bartender who talks like this. Yeah. And he's very receptive to your problems. Oh, yeah, very, uh, very understanding. He's very understanding, until he probably stabs you in the back. Probably, why not, maybe? He uses more, ha- more H's. 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 Then might be expected. He really stresses his H's. Even his so, elocution. Imagine a retired sergeant gunner. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And he's a bartender, and he works in space and in your fantasy hovels. All hit times me, of year. Hit me with some NPCs. I like this. This is fun. Give, give me an NPC to voice. Uh, a blacksmith. Blacksmith, eh? Big swarthy guy. Big beard. Broad, oily chest. Kind of northern, but not so northern that I fuck up the accent. <laughs> so, Sean Bean side of things. No, not quite Sean Bean. But close. Close. I like that. That's Seems good. like you adventurers need some swords made. Come in. Come in round the hearth. Let me take oh, off my bellies. vest. Again. Again? Again. More, more okay. NPCs. Blacksmith. <laughs> Surely you'd say another one. <laughs> A different NPC. Okay. A train conductor. Uh, modern or old school? Modern. Uh, that's the train conductor voice. Uh, leave your tickets, please. Thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, this is for a, this is for a three-person group. There's only two of you. Where's the third? Per- There's a third one in your party. This is a family ticket. I think you'll find. Um, this is a family train. But the great thing is that this this train conductor voice is obsequious mm-hmm. enough to work all across different genres. You that's can nice. switch him very easily to the obsequious butler. I think I, I think this man would blend in very well into a Call of Cthulhu style mystery. Slightly off putting. Just a creepy off-putting. Radio Four announcer voice is what we've gone into now. With BBC all the pauses, Radio Four. We're going to go touching your head until you fall asleep. We're going to start low and then go up at the end of the sentence. Or unless it's a joke, unless it's a joke, at which point we'll talk like this. Start high. And then drop down at the end of the sentence. 
I'm sorry, I got it wrong before. It also works for Gokguan. <laughs> it does. It works exactly for him. <laughs> We're going to take excitable. off these ladies' clothes and feed them some Chinese food. Have a pie. <laughs> I really like You Gok look Gok ridiculous. He's, 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 he's a really... He seems like a really interesting guy. He is, but I'd like, I'd like to see him sad. I don't want to see him sad. No, but I want to know that he's human. I want to I'm know sure, that there's... I'm sure he's human. He washes his knickers in the sink. Like sure. everyone else. Also, like, he's not that. in any work for like five years. Yeah, but I, I, he's, I need, he's got to have been sad recently. I need to know that he experiences other emotions rather than just rampant enthusiasm. Yeah, I, I want I want him to see something. And go, that's okay. I mean, it just it does its job. It's fine. It's basically okay. Hmm. I'm largely indifferent to this. I don't think that's it. You see, it. I want him to go. Can't speak in hmm, any other way. Fine. I couldn't tell what gender he was for quite a while. Understandable. Because I, I, I didn't for. hear him speak. He's the every person. A bit like the um, lead singer from Placebo. I was like, oh, quite, quite fancy her. And it turns out, no. Well, actually, I guess I, I sort of fancied him, and that's fine. But I was 15 at the time, and I was like, oh, I'm confused. And just stopped <laughs> listening to Placebo. <laughs> These are startling thoughts. <laughs> do you have any actual questions that people have sent in, or are you going to do some more existential bullshit? Well, I don't have any questions that people have sent in, no. Okay. All right. You, 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 you had the show notes. Okay, cool. Well, here is a question. So we've got two more questions for this episode. Here is a question from Sitting Bongo Twenty One. Good name. Good, good name. Sitting Bongos One through Twenty taken. I'd like to come up with a newish take on the classic tabletop RPGs. I was thinking a game that could encompass a vast world that crosses multiple genres: sci-fi, fantasy, superpowers, etc. That being mm-hmm. said, what would be some unique as- aspects that could be incorporated to make the game more unique along the lines of playability and character development, along with things like combat systems? Would a card slash die combination be something that could work to make the game its own? Terrorbang. Any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. That's a lot of question. It's a lot of questions sitting, Bongo, and primarily, fuck off. Yeah, just... What? You're not starting your own RPG. You're asking someone else to start your own... I'm sorry, you know what, you took the time to write into this podcast, and we should help. We should help. By selling Unbound. What would be some unique aspects that could be incorporated to make the game more unique? Along the lines of playability. Eh? That's good. That's a good question. That is incredibly vague. Um, I don't know. I, I, I used to be a games journalist, and I had uh, this apocryphal story of um, like German games journalists were strange compared to everyone else. Okay, and, and because like because we're in Europe, we, we used to go to a lot of like um, multi-country things. So like you get people in from you know Sweden and Germany and Spain and Italy. Yeah, it's fair. Um, one of the German uh, journalists once said to someone, he was, he, was, he was talking to a producer, and he said, "Can you tell me?" One thing about the game that you have not told anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've told my development team. It's, just, it's absolutely brilliant. It's like, I mean, that's very efficient, and that, that's very much the point of being a journalist, but you can't just say it? Yeah. Oh, it's just fantastic. I will give you £10 to not talk to these other people. That's fantastic. Uh, unique te- well, some unique aspects. Well, how about um, let's say so it needs to cross multiple genres. Okay. And it needs to be unique along the lines of playability. Right. So, what about if you had a? 
you play uh, you play a uh, an, like an unbound soul. Mm-hmm. You play a soul um, which is not bound to a, to a, to a specific thing, and so you have uh, you have your your core definition of who you are, um, kind of like an ancestral hero of some kind, or like like an, an iconic um, role, right? Like, like the trickster, the bruiser, the um, the mage. You could even look at the tarot cards as a core idea, as you frequently do. As I frequently do for over half of my game, and <laughs> then from that, what you do is 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 transplant that identity and those powers into the genres. So, I so I'd be playing a campaign, but I would be playing the trickster, and then I would be reincarnating or have like avatars of myself or have myself at different times. Or my children, or my parents, or whatever, in different eras, and my my core identity would remain the same, but the stuff you put on top and this individual avatar of that identity would be different. What's what's kind of interesting with that actually is that depending on how you do the plot, mm-hmm. you don't need experience. Go on. So let's say that you start in the far future, right? Like technology is mad advanced, right? Um, at that point your magic is on par with the powers mm-hmm. to level up you go back in time because the further you back in time you go <laughs> you, you travel back in time yeah the f- further back in time you go the more powerful your powers are <laughs> just in relation to what's available that's kind of interesting like as long as they've got plugs yeah like when what? you get back to the Tudors yeah your gods that's really interesting. Like, I, I suppose as long as you've got means of means of powering that technology. Yeah, or faking it. I oh. mean, Houdini, you know. Yeah. I kind of like this idea of, of of having a having like the core ideals, like the icons of the world, and then you tell stories through them. Yeah, I, I mean, that... it's 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 a it's a it's a trope that's been used before. Yeah. Well, because like Cause it well, works. Well, because Monty Cook did the um, the strange. Yeah, but that's more of a, like you express that you play a person and then you hop between settings. Yeah, and you replace part of your character sheet. But I quite like the idea of having like your I think almost like um, Unbound. Um, so like you've got your your role, which is which is which is universal, and then your trait, which defines the world. And yeah. so like you'd have oh I'm, I'm I've I've got like you know there's there's a book of superpower stuff there's a book of wizard stuff there's a book of fantasy stuff but I'm playing from the core book which is the iconics and then you layer the other stuff on top. You say it's been done before. Who's done it? What working as avatars of gods? Well, like of, of an icon. Unknown armies. No, I mean Scion. No, I, I guess I, I guess that like those are dealing like with, with some of the same ideas, but not having the I am this core identity and I'm going to exist at multiple points through time. Well, not not the points through time, but the where you are or indeed, an avatar like, through the world. Yeah, you're like you're you are, you become an avatar of an idea. Yeah, That's they just true. haven't done the the time traveling stuff. That's not a terrible idea, actually. It's, it would be a lot of work, though. Well, not really. You just build a core and then leave people to. Well, the thing. I mean, what what you're doing is building a um, a generic role playing system, but with spot books. Yeah, I guess. I guess you you DLC it, but um, and also like just this such a bad idea. Sitting Bongo Twenty One, why do you want sci fi and fantasy and superpowers in the same world? 
Oh, we wrote a we wrote a book that does that. No, different worlds. Oh yeah, it's true. Oh, we want it in the same world. I was thinking a game that could encompass a vast world that crosses multiple genres. No. Would a card die combination be something that could work to make the game its own? That's interesting because we never tried combining dice and cards. We never used one or the other. I think because we wanted to keep it, so you only needed one thing. Let's let's take off those those that restriction. How could you use dice and cards? Um, turns out fairground. You want to get it? I guess. Really fairground. Okay, really fairground. I want to throw lay hoops out, over things. Lay out all the cards on the table. Go on and roll the dice mm-hmm. on top of the cards. Okay. The card, the dice has to get over the 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 value on the card it lands on. Are the cards face up? Or Fairground. Down? Are the cards no, they're face facing up? down? And then you look at the card and replace it, so it's also a memory game. Oh wow! It's also yeah. a memory game. Mm-hmm. That is both tight and sweet. And like the higher the value of the card, the better the the better the outcome. Okay, here's an idea. Because your degrees of success. Here's an idea. You have so so, so like the higher the value of the card, the better the outcome. Yep. If you roll, so like the dice itself is kind of the yes and no but sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you roll, I'm trying to think because like the problem with that is it becomes really hard to roll over king on a d10. Well, that's the point. That's that's you. You need like automatic failures. I'm trying to think. There's that's, that's something quite fun about that. Mm, because it's because as I say, like that's why I asked how fairground do you want to go with it. Like, what kind of the, dice would you use? I. Oh, what's something rolling? D twelve, yeah, D twelve is quite nice and rolly, isn't it? Yeah, just because it, it literally rolls more. I'm going and more and for the shape up, than the it value. Goes up to queen, yeah. Um, like the king is the the rigged hoop, the what, the one where it doesn't quite fit over. Oh, the rigged hoop, of course, yes. You know, yeah. Um, and you can you can have other cards as well. You can put the jokers in where something weird happens. And you and like and you can do things like where in between like in between scenes you take all the cards back in and shuffle them and put them out again. So there's some yeah. trickiness to it there. And I mean, it's just as traditional with our games. You could even write on the cards. Well, you have to write on cards. That's what they're for, I presume. Yeah, I mean, like if you just if you have like one card, you just cross out. Just means nothing now because you did something stupid. I think I think you just wrote my next game, Chris. Well, I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. I'm pretty good at writing your next game. <laughs> I'm pretty good at writing it down and making it legible, which is where the yeah. real talent comes in. <laughs> okay, well, listen, mate. Um, Sitting Bongo 21. That's that's some ideas Thanks. for you. Thanks, Sitting Bongo. Because honestly, <laughs> I think that's next year's Kickstarter as well with that dimension hopping. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Chump! We've got, we've got one more question. And this question okay. comes in. From one more question, which comes in from Goblin Gil Martin nine two two. Now, mm-hmm. is he a horrid little bird that lives inside gills of goblins? Oh, you mean like a a Gil Martin, like mm. a Sand Martin? Um, no, it's spelt Martin like the name, not Martin, not, not okay. Martin. Okay, that's cool because that would be the most disgusting thing I've Jesus ever thought of. That. They'd like they'd, they'd come out all sticky. Yeah. And fly away, and then they bring food to their young. Uh, it's like nestling in. Uh, oh. uh, and they'd all be really small because goblins are really small. Carry on. Jesus. Just don't say his name. Mm, mm. So, this, this person. 
Could be a woman, probably. Isn't this it? monster. Uh, this monster. This this hideous bird creature asks. I'm looking for a good RPG to use if I wanted to run a game in the style of Metropolis, the anime the anime OVA based on Osamu Tezuka, not the German film from the twenties. Or, if you're familiar, the PC game Techno Babylon, something for cyberpunk cyber noir hybrid gameplay, or something I could bend to those ends. Any suggestions? No. So there's Tech Noir. Yeah, like, but I, I've never seen the anime, so I don't know. Sorry, I've never seen the anime. No, but. That, like, it, I mean, I haven't seen that either. But something for cyberpunk, cyber noir. Tech noir is specifically a cyberpunk noir game. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing cyberpunk, there is only one game. What's that? Cyberpunk 2020. No. <laughs> it's no. the worst. No, it's not the worst. It's, so it's not so the worst. Bad. Sorry, the Cy- book. Cyber, no, cyberpunk 2030X is the one you're talking about, I think. The one with the action figures. Yes, that's Cyberpunk. Tw- that's, that's, I think it's Cyberpunk 3.0 or 2030X. I forget what it's called, oh, but oh, it's, it's like just Action Man Karate Shopping Dr. Robotnik. Written, copy edited, um, and laid out by the same man. Oh. I believe it's Mike Pondsmith. It was. Um, oh, God, oh, it's just so bad. It's just awful. One of the character classes um, uses fish as technology. One of them has a kind of giant fairground robot. The other one is a is nano machine biker. Stop. And oh man, oh stop. Oh, oh wait, wait. You see my my favorite bit about it is so that like so one all the all, all the art is used by posing action figures and Barbies um, and and taking pictures of them with a green filter, which this looks worse than you worse than you think it does, reader. Um, but the the other thing about it is it has it has links to a bibliography. It's like hey, why not look at these books? These like. Or like, why, why not watch these DVDs? These are, these are all cyberpunk, and it has the name, and then it has the full Adam, like Amazon long link. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like two pages of them, and it's in such tiny writing. And the unlike the idea that you type out the entire Amazon long link. It's like somebody who links you a Google search. Well, that, that, that's clickable though, you know. No, no, no. But why not just link me to the thing you want to show me? Rather than link me, linking me to a Google search and telling me to click on link number three. I'm sorry for doing that so often. It's okay, but it's stupid. Yeah. Anyway, I know you're trying. Um, not Cyberpunk. I also, I'd like, um, Cyberpunk 2020 was an important game, but it's very dated now. Um, I think Tech Noir is a solid, uh, solid game if a little bit rules light, but it has a nice investigation, like, noir, pulpy feel to it. As uh, always, never now. Yeah. Which uses the Lady Blackbird uh, system. It's a reskinned version of that, and it does um, a. It's 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 more of a one shot thing, really. It's very much a one shot thing, and it tells a, tells a specific story, but it's very good. Um, I think you could mess up. Well, uh, Shadowrun, I wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole. Yeah, well. Um, do you like Dyson numbers? No. <laughs> Can oh, I? I do like dice because I'm a hearty dice friend. And I like numbers. Yeah, and together, we hate Shadowrun. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a bad game, everyone. God, it's just so... It's so... I mean, if you like it, Complicated. You're allowed to like it. Yeah, you like to like it. You know, like, you're allowed that's to like you. whatever you want. You know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to think you're wrong. Yeah. But you're allowed to like things. Oh, it's just so bad. Um, haven't you done Cyberpunk games? Possibly. Maybe did Wushu so no, he didn't, did he? Yeah, but I mean Wushu works with anything, that doesn't even count. Yeah, it, w- it works with everything for three sessions. 
Yeah, I mean, depending on what you're doing, you could do some some rather interesting cyberpunk um, hill folk. Again, I suppose hill folk works with anything, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd want... I just I quite like to see how because obviously hill folk's designed for that very tight knit community. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, and when you go cyberpunk, it's explain more about what hill folk pe- is. Sorry, Hillfolk is a drama system game, so it's all about the interrelation interrelations between the characters and mm. NPCs, and you sort of play the game through that lens. Yeah. But when you shift it to cyberpunk, a lot of it's going to be about dependency. Mm. Um, about, about both like, like you know, you're linked, yeah, like the people in your crew plus dealers plus fixers, fixers, and all of that sort of Mr. stuff. Johnson's. Like one part of the heist goes wrong and it all crumbles. That's an interesting idea, and I think that that could be really well used. Like, I mean, the, some of the things that you, they put in Blood and Snow, which is the, uh, the I, always, I always call it DLC, which is the splat book for it. Um, they've got things like shark packs, what? swarms, shoals. What are you, schools? What's a group of sharks? A snark? A um, fist? A horror? Um, An amalgam? Yeah. Oh, a conglomeration. Of sharks and stuff like that, but like it could really work for cyberpunk if you, if you shift it towards that dependency I guess, paradigm. I, I suppose it's, it's, it's it, that's an interesting idea. I think that one of the things that cyberpunk um, trades on is the def- defining the existence of technology, and so like so like so like the setting of cyberpunk has like it has brands, it has abilities it has i'm gonna i'm gonna put this specific thing into me or i'm gonna have this specific technology yeah and hill folk doesn't really have rules for equipment no but i always saw cyberpunk is slightly different like almost divorced from its technology uh like in cyberpunk for me technology is largely environmental it's 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 a means to be punk yeah, but it's it, it's, it's the thing that you're trying to get across. The establishment. Yeah, the thing you're trying to get across with cyberpunk is that kind of failed hope, mm. um, and then some people maybe getting a bit of hope, maybe oh, it's taken away. Like, is yeah. that depressing? But it's like 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 it's sort of partying amongst the ashes, trying to steal from the yeah. The yeah, yeah, um, and technology is a is a means to an end. Mm. Um, so I think you could still use fairly default hillfolk. But yeah, and if, really if focus in it. on that. Maybe, maybe this time we'll get out of the sprawl. Yeah, if you look at it as like as as, as fictional powers, like so, yeah. like, as like fiction powers. So like, oh, cool. Well, I can, um, I I can move very quickly because I have reflex jacks. You don't need to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at the just why you did the thing. Yeah, in the hillfolk thing, like you've got the chieftain, mm. um, who largely says what people have to do. Yeah, and like that's just the the person fronting the op. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that you can just translate over as long as you've got the imagination for it and I realise it's not perfect but I think it would make a very interesting game that would be very interesting yeah okay well I think that's enough questions answered I think we've solved enough problems this, well, com- we, we have fixed the world coming up on an hour's worth of recording here including a large section of <laughs> pausing where, where Grant took his pills <laughs> don't, don't. Don't reference deleted sections. <laughs> that's, that's, that's of no use. That's to great. Me. I love it because now they now they wonder what great stuff we said in there. Oh, what it's real, gone. Real, real top draw content. Oh, it was it was hearty, my yeah. dice friends. Um, so yeah, we are the hearty dice friends. My name is Grant Howitt. I'm uh, I'm GS Howitt. 
on Twitter. It's G-S-H-O-W-I-T-T. If you want to come and talk to me and follow me and learn about my stuff. Learn about, learn about his learn, stuff. Learn about all my little things, all my little tricks and tips, all my little strategies. All, your pictures all of my schemes, my pictures of what? Foxes. Pictures of foxes. I think it's pictures of hookers. That sounds exactly like foxes. Well, um, and how can people get in touch with you, Chris? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at CPT Bumble, B U M B L E. That's right. It's a good name. Shut up. Sure. Um, I think that's it, really. <laughs> no, you're not going to do any creepy close to microphone work. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and lick the listener. Okay, so some of our listeners might be into that, and you shouldn't shame them. I'm not. I'm just saying I'm not going to help them. Don't kink shame our listeners. I'm not. Because they're after some fun Japanese-style ear licking from us. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's out there. Google search it. Get I'll, on YouTube. You know what? I was Japanese just, ASMR ear licking. I was just about to do up it as in a your joke, gills. but that's not what anyone wants. Especially, if, no. especially if, if like perhaps if, perhaps if they're listening to this podcast as as they drift off to sleep. Oh, it's just, <laughs> just once have... once this is done, give it a YouTube. Oh, you won't be able to fall asleep again. Not enjoy it. Right. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye. Ah, I got that's done. <laughs>